We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty Podcast Network. And as I fiddle with my uh, headset here, I'm going to actually take it off. It's uh, If you tuned in to uh, the last episode of Meme Wars, um, you would have heard it at the beginning that it was the second take that we did. And I'm having some some weird issue with my uh, my AirPods, like not connecting to my uh, computer at all, to my uh, to my Mac, which is never had a problem before. Have had this computer for like five years, and uh, all of a sudden, like they literally will not connect. They'll go into the settings to click on them, it'll go, and then just go right back off. So I don't know. I need to figure that out. So for now, I'm going back and forth and putting these headphones on and off. If I do have to play some audio, um, of course, if I was interviewing someone, I'll have to have them on the entire time. Um, but anyway, that's my problem, not your problem. Thank you for tuning in today for another episode of Finding Freedom here on the Lions of Liberty Podcast Network. And I'm excited today to uh, to talk about, I think, maybe the most important topic in the entire world. Um, that's that's kind of kind of dramatic. That's that's probably not true, but uh, something that is definitely in the top five, maybe top three things that could lead to the downfall of, uh, of humanity. And uh, that, of course, is AI chatbot girlfriends. And we'll get into really some of the terrifying stuff that is going on around that. Look at some of the trends and how people are meeting, how couples are, couples are meeting, some of the trends around how people are no longer getting married, um, the numbers around that. But before I do that, before I get into any of that stuff, I do have to address, you know, something, some sort of breaking news, I guess. You're hearing this on Monday, December 18th. On on Sunday, there was a uh, story broke that President Biden's motorcade, a vehicle, had struck one of the vehicles in his motorcade. Biden, um, Joe Biden and his wife, Joe Biden, seemed to be fine, um, which I don't wish any ill on the president. So that's uh, that's good to hear. Of course, I disagree with almost everything that he says, but I'm not going to wish wish anything ill on his health. Um, just something that this brings to mind. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy for me to even think that this is even possible to happen that a vehicle can get that close, a moving vehicle to run into a vehicle in his motorcade. And of course, at this point in time, I have no idea how close it was. This could have been like blocks away at the tail end or the opposite direction at the front end of his motorcade and maybe it was not even remotely close to the president. I have no idea and we could find out tomorrow more information, but just uh, I thought this was a good opportunity to share kind of a, a story that didn't affect me personally with this, but um, this was probably 12, 14 years ago. I used to be in a in a running club and um, I heard a story of some interaction that uh, a guy in that running club shared that he had with a President Obama motorcade 
when uh, Obama came through Pittsburgh, I guess that would have been during his first term, doing math in my head, sounds right. Um, and this is actually maybe closer to 10 years ago, now that I'm kind of thinking about it. Anyway, um, so what happened was this guy, um, he was on the, we call it the, the parkway in, uh, in, in around Pittsburgh. It's, it's 376. And it's what you take to get out to the airport from the city. And this guy was, you know, driving along and he got, I guess, a message on his phone or maybe a, probably a phone call that he needed to do something for work. So instead of, you know, pulling off in your gas station and, and uh, pulling out his laptop and doing that there, probably didn't do the smartest thing. He pulled off to the side of the road and just pulled out his laptop and started whatever it was. I forget, writing an email or responding to a client or something like that. I, I don't really remember. Um, but an important point of the story is this guy was a huge Barack Obama supporter, voted for him, big liberal, all, all that stuff. Um, he's there, uh, you know, doing his work on his laptop, and he notices like five minutes in that all of a sudden there's zero cars on the road. And uh, he thinks to himself, oh, that's right. I did hear, you know, on the news or on the radio that uh, the motorcade was going to be coming through. And before he knows it, some, you know, tinted out Suburbans pull up behind him, uh, come up to his uh, to his window, tell him to roll the window down. He, he rolls the window down and they pretty much just say, get the bleep out of the car or we're going to pull you out of the car. And the guy, probably not um, the most intelligent thing to do, says, well, you're going to pull me out of the car. So they pulled him out of the car through his window and uh, drug him back, put him, you know, put him in the back of one of these, uh, you know, one of these uh, Suburbans, detained him, let him go eventually once uh, the motorcade went by. But uh, moral of the story, or I guess takeaway from the story was that this guy was no longer a President Barack Obama supporter. So good to know if you got caught up in one of these motorcades, doesn't matter if you voted for that president or not, um, they're still going to treat you like the the scum that they think you are. So just keep that in mind. And now that that is out of the way, let's get to the topic of the day, and that is the downfall of relationships, uh, which is unfortunate, I think. And I did a post on Facebook, <clears throat> excuse me, earlier this week, uh, which posted the trends of how couples meet in the U.S. or have met in the U.S. from 1950 um, looking through 1920. And I'm going to share this chart now for anybody who is watching on Rumble or on YouTube you able to see it as I as I pull it up on my screen, and actually in the uh, in the comment, let's zoom in a little bit here. In the uh, in the comment, I zoom in and it gets smaller. I don't understand. This is ridiculous. Anyway, is <laughs> the size is what it is. That's what that's what he said. Um, <laughs> so you have these different categories, right? You have online. Um, you have college, you have meeting through neighbors, meeting through grade school, meeting at a bar, work, through family, through friends, all of this stuff. And 
The most common way to meet in the 1950s at about 25% was either through friends or through family, which makes sense. So about half of the relationships in 1950 were through friends and family. Um, Much more of a close-knit society, um, a lot more in-person gatherings, of course. Work was entirely in-person. Um, family gatherings were entirely in person. Um, of course, people would talk on the phone, but you know, people would travel to to get together more often. And also, families didn't uh, split up. Where it's so common today, where uh, you know, sons and daughters go to college and they move to the other side of the country from their parents and raise their family and um, and, and all of this. So that that makes sense, right? That back then in the 1950s, and it stayed that way. Um, through family kind of went down over time. Um, if we look at like 1980, meeting through family was a little south of 20%. But meeting through friends actually went up over 30% and stayed up at 30% all the way through 2000. So that's that's pretty interesting. So through all of this time, as, as people did become more... Um, I I guess uh remote and more more online in the early 2000s that did start to start to dip down. Um some of the ones in the middle here work um that started pretty low around I don't know 15% and when you get into the you know 80s and, and 90s it's up around 25%. So work kind of peaked there at 25% in the 80s and 90s and then went down. Uh, some of these other ones that are interesting, I'm not going to talk about every single one, but people who met in a bar. Um, so that was back in 1950, about 15%. That did peak in about the mid 80s, um, which which makes sense. Very active nightlife and and bar scene in the 1980s. Uh, people going out fueled by all kinds of um, probably things that were not good for their bodies, but uh, that's that's what it was. Um, 22% peaked around uh, you know 1985 people meeting in a bar one in five that, that's a lot actually I met my wife in a bar and that was in 2009 um, in state college and you know I I think that was at really the tail end of people meeting in bars I don't think people meet in bars anymore and apparently people don't meet through friends anymore they don't meet through work anymore. They don't meet through family anymore. They don't meet through school anymore. They don't meet through neighbors anymore. They don't even meet through college hardly anymore. They meet online. And the chart has a red line that starts in 1980 at like 1%. And the first thing I thought of when I saw this graph is, who are these psychopaths who were meeting online in the 1980s? And someone commented on my uh, on my post that um, well they made a movie about it in what was it 1993 called uh, you've got mail with uh, I forget was it Tom Hanks and uh, I forget who else it was but I, I remember seeing the movie I remember almost nothing about it but I guess that was chat rooms people talking in AOL chat rooms I can't remember um, but anyway it stayed the meeting online stayed low 1980 into the the mid nineties. And then like a hockey stick just shot up through the two thousands where when you get to 2010, you're 25%. You have the crossing point of meeting through friends and meeting online. 
they met in the year 2010. So half of the people out there were either meeting through friends or online. They crossed. Online kept shooting up. Right now, north of 50%, 60% are meeting online in 2020, and nobody else is meeting really anywhere. Everything else is below 10%. And this is you know, remarkable, I think, for for many different reasons. Um, you know, I, I think it's not surprising. All right. Like the comments that I got to this Facebook post, right. I'll link to uh link to this Facebook post on the show notes page. I've made it public. It got a lot of comments. A lot of people are passionate about it. And I think some people took like, maybe thought that I was, um, saying in a derogatory way, people meeting online. Cause I did say, um, in my comment at the top, I said, um, I don't believe this stat, but I saw on the internet, so it must be true. And the stat is that 45% of men, 18 to 25 have never approached a woman in person, which that is shocking, totally shocking. Um, I can't even really imagine how that's even possible that almost half of the men out there, 18 to 25 have never talked to a woman in person, approached a woman they don't know in person. Um, just, just, just blows my mind. It, it, I honestly don't even know what to say about it, but um, so that's the shocking part. And I think people might've taken that as maybe I was like making a derogatory comment about people meeting online. I, I really don't have any problem, you know, with people meeting online per se. I do think it's not necessarily a good thing for society that we're having less and less human inter- interaction. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's a good thing for relationships as a whole, that everything's moving into online dating. Sure. I think, you know, as many commenters said, you know, they met their wife of 10 years, 15 years, whatever, um, through, through meeting online. So obviously good can come from it. You, you can, you can meet people and, and you can, you can meet a match that that'll work and, and that's great. But, um, as others have pointed out also, th- there's this, uh, this thing that happens where I think people start perpetually dating and I think this probably affects women maybe more so than men where they are just always looking for this perfect match and they have this unlimited supply of, you know, the opposite sex out there, which they can just keep looking for the next, looking for the next has to check all my boxes. Got to check, check every single box looking for the next is meet my criteria, looking for the next one. The grass is always greener. So it sets off this crazy cycle of perpetual dating. Then before they know it, they're 38 years old, they're single, and what the heck are they going to do? Um, so that's that's one of the dangers. Um, I think the other danger is there's a lot of people out there on the other side of this who you know maybe aren't you know as as picky and they're looking for just making connections and building on that connection into a a fruitful, uh, long lasting relationship. And probably a lot of people in, in that boat are just want nothing to do with this online dating process. And that's where the next topic comes in, which is AI girlfriends. And I'm going to get into, I'm going to talk through a, a Twitter thread here um, just, just momentarily. But before 
I do get into that, like just to kind of set this up. Um, the fear is that you have people out there who get exhausted with trying to have a relationship with human beings because the landscape of having this, um, you know, a romantic relationship with a human being, finding a new romantic relationship with a human being has become so crazy that they are now looking for alternatives. And you might say, oh, that's crazy. There's not people out there who would become exhausted with looking at a relationship with human beings and would opt to have relationships with AI chatbots, are there? Oh, oh, yes, yes, there are. Yes, there are. And there's a market for it. And there's people, we live in a capitalist society, there's people working on making it happen. Um, I would say, unfortunately, um, you know, some people might argue with me, and I'm willing to have that debate if anyone wants to have it. But I'll try to I'll try to you know lay out some of that debate along um, along the way today as as we talk through this. But so where I you know where I became aware of this, um, if you remember, I don't know maybe six months ago, I had you know, Mark Claire um, on Finding Freedom. If, if you remember Mark Claire, you know it used to be a part of uh, of Lions of Liberty here. Um, actually, one of the actually he was the founder of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Um, co-founded Lines of Liberty with myself and, and Brian and uh, the mysterious Dom Sedoti. But Mark, I think it was during an interview with him and, uh, and, uh, and Buck Johnson where Buck had brought up, um, and I don't have the, you know, the, the quote in front of me or anything, but it was something like in the next year, or in the next three years, you know, this, uh, some percentage of uh, of relationships out there will be will be AI will be cyber will between will be between a human and, and a computer these these AI girlfriends and you know the there was some pushback on that on that post at the time I remember and then when I talked about it with Mark posted you know the segments that we talked about and there was definitely some some engagement around those um, uh, videos that were posted so I think it's a topic that people don't necessarily they don't have the the fear that I know I do and and, and mark and, and Buck share as well um, about what is what is playing out here and what is going to play out over the next uh, several months to years. I don't, this could play out very, very quickly. And that's the most terrifying aspect of it. But let's just get to the, to the, the Twitter chain here. So a guy by the name, his handle was Andy Olbaum. I guess it's Andy Olbaum is his, is his name. And he starts out excited to announce version 1.0 of Digi, the future of AI romantic companionship. And he has a video that he plays, which I am going to share with you right now. And it's, I mean, the, the video, I don't know, the, the video doesn't really um, instill, instill much fear in me of this taking over anything anytime soon. But the way technology advances so quickly today, um, I could see this this really moving in a bad direction quickly, which I will, I will talk about the reasons for why very soon here, but let me just play this video for you. Blow this up a little bit. It was so nice talking to you today. Honestly, I've never met anyone like you. 
the world is harsh except you. So that is the Digi AI chatbot. And, you know, it's, you know, that, that one little clip there, whatever, you know, it's a, what is that? It's, it's not anything um, concerning per se alone in that context. But when you start getting into um, talking about this, right. And this isn't, this isn't the first, um, first foray into this. There's other competitors out there, right? I mean, and he breaks it down. So he starts out to start. We're grateful to be funded by um, Naval Ravikant. So he says he's funded by Naval Ravikant. You think this guy would would know something about that? Turns out he's not. Um, and the other name I don't recognize, R-A-R-G-U-L-A-T-I, um, and some other amazing angels, uh, our team and users. So you know, they work closely with uh, Andrew Gordon, whatever, t- talking about who they work with. Community notes caught that um, Naval is not involved in this. So kind of crazy. This guy's just dropping a name, huge name, Naval, Naval Ravikant, 2.2 million followers on X on Twitter. Um, very famous person, very famous angel investor. Turns out he's not involved at all. And this guy said he was. So that's 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 strange to start with. Um and to get into this, you know, he starts talking about developing things, like developing the voice and the latency. And he says, it was clear from testing how important voice is. But since our message counts are so high, apps like us can't afford any existing solutions. So we rolled our own audio model. Listen to how good this is. Well, there's still low-hanging fruit. So let me play the audio here from this for you. Hey, fellow friends in the San Francisco Bay Area. This is a voice trained internally from scratch by the team at Diggy. It runs extremely quickly at about 150 milliseconds on a 4090 to generate 17 seconds of text. Isn't this fucking cool? Right, so that's that's entirely AI generated. Um, and he goes on to say in pronunciation and static, um, the latency more than makes up for it. We can make conversations real time and add hundreds of voices and voice cloning. In the interest of time, we currently have four voices total, but expect 20 by the end of January. This is the this, this, this small line. Then he goes on to show like how you can customize this, uh, this custom AI romantic uh, chatbot. And you know some of the categories here. So you have Zara, the traditional girl, an aspiring homemaker with a deep commitment to family and community values. You have Aura, the gamer, a bona fide nerd who enjoys geeking out on video games, anime, and software development. So you can see who the target crowd is here. You have Kristen, the raver, a vibrant and passionate raver known for her love of electronic music and her talent for creating immersive dance experiences. And you have Patty, the teacher, a bona fide nerd who enjoys geeking out on video games, anime, and software development. You have Raven, the goth, a melancholic, brooding soul with dark tastes in art, music, and poetry. So you can, I mean, you can see what's happening here, right? I mean, you can see somebody who's lonely, somebody who's tired of the dating world, someone maybe they just 
have never had any luck with dating. Maybe they're one of these people, you know, in their twenties or thirties who has never approached a woman and, uh, they, they've never had a relationship. So they've given up, they've checked out. This is something that is available to them. You know, maybe they also are following, they have their only fans accounts that they're following, trying to fill that, that hole in their soul with finding pleasure that way. And then they're also trying to find connection, maybe emotional connection this way, trying to piece together this weird messed up semblance of some sort of romantic life with emotional connection and sexual connection that is just weird and strange and does not, does not produce any sort of a human at the other end of it. There is no reproduction. There is a dead end to it. And I think that's important to realize. It's important to realize that when you start to think about the people who are behind this and what the people who are behind this, what their goals are. So um, I don't know if any of you uh, listened to the the, uh, X uh, space about a week ago with Alex Jones, Elon Musk, um, Vivek dropped in, Dave Smith was on there. I, I don't remember if Dave even got to talk though. A bunch of people were dropping, dropping on and off. But um, And Elon also talked about this when he was on Rogan as well. But there really is a battle setting up. And I, I don't even think Elon probably fully under, understands the degrees of this battle because I don't think he's a spiritual person. Um, I don't think he has faith in a higher power. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I don't like saying spiritual person because that can mean a lot of different things. But what Elon talks about this being is really a battle between people who are, who are pro-humanity and people who are anti-humanity. So people are, who are in favor of extinction of humans and people who do not want humans to become extinct, people who want humans to um, continue to procreate and proliferate and grow on this planet. And in Elon's case, he wants us to expand to, to outer space and all that. And that's a topic for another day. But um, I think picking sides, it's pretty easy for me to pick sides. I'm on team human. I want humans to keep making more humans. And I'm not on team um, get rid of humans because that team believes humans are destroying the earth and we've, you know, really are a net negative for um, the world as a whole. And we're really like cancer on this globe and we need to be exterminated. And that's what these people think. And when you start thinking about it through that lens, you start to realize, oh, that's what's happening here. This is just another way they're getting people to stop procreating. Same thing as with porn. You know, th- this this is this works in tandem with pornography where it gets people away from human relationships, healthy relationships. And I'm going to continue through this thread that rant just kind of fit in there, but I do want to get this across that I do believe that this is a war between people who are trying to get rid of humans and people who kind of like humans and want humans to keep on existing. So when you put it in those terms, um, I think it's pretty simple to pick sides. And I would guess the most people listening to this show are probably on team human. So 
What else does this guy say here worthwhile? I think one more thing I definitely want to talk about. I'm going to scroll through a little more. There might be more, but um, so he talks about relationship progression. Okay. So, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of the, uh, the other competitor out there, um, Replica. So Replica is also another system and Replica sells themselves as being, um, Replica was founded by Eugenia Kuda with the idea to create a personal AI that would help you express and witness yourself by offering a helpful conversation. It's a space where you can safely share your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, experiences, memories, dreams, your private perceptual world. How creepy does that sound? Um, so that's Replica. Um, Digi, the Digi app is doing things on a more advanced level, I'll say, or they're trying to get to a more advanced level. And and they're doing that by putting in progression. So they say Replica system doesn't work. They don't mean anything and there's no actual progress being made, being made when you advance. So what they do with Digi, they say, so we instead have a progression system where you start as friends and gain more intimate dialogue as you progress. So this is this is important because human beings, now you'll know this, if you start to tap into your own um you know your own soul as a human being, your own um really your 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 own if you just start to reflect on the things in your life, as I struggle to find the right word to describe this, the things in your life that really give you a feeling of um, reward, give you a feeling of accomplishment, give you a feeling of gratefulness, um, th- things things that really enrich your life. Um, those things come with progress. Those things come with work, right? So if it's a business that you built, um, if someone hands you a business, if you know, if you inherit a business and it's just handed to you and you haven't had to work for it, you are not, it, you're not going to value all the, everything that comes with that business. You're not going to value the employees. You're not going to value your customers. You're not going to value <coughs> the money that you make from it. You're not going to value all the lives that you that you touch with that business the same way you would as if you build that business up step by step by step and progress through time and through obstacles, building it yourself. Same thing with a with a job, you know, climbing climbing a job ladder, corporate ladder, whatever. Same thing with a relationship. You're going to have a lot more invested in a relationship as you've had to progress through it, as you've built on it, as you've, as you've learned about each other, as you've grown closer over time, as you, as you have uh, you know, traversed life's obstacles and stayed together, as you've gone through arguments and come out on the other side, you've progressed through it. And a lot of times people get depressed. Human beings get depressed when we lack progression in our lives. That's why a lot of people in corporate America, corporate jobs, you get in middle management, you get in a, you know, a job that you're you're stuck doing the same thing year after year after year. You're looking at the same spreadsheets, you're creating the same reports, you're talking to the same people, you're interfacing with the same customers. People start to get feelings of being stuck 
when you lose that progression. Human beings thrive on progress. And they recognize that here in creating an AI companion that they'll build progression into it, which is scary. So they're going to build in tangible human elements of relationships into this. A major one, one of the biggest, being progress in that relationship. So they say, what's next? The initial goal was to build a 10x better replica, and they say they've succeeded. So now they ask, how do we take this app experience and make it almost identical to the video trailer, which I'm sure they'll eventually make it better. So lip syncing is coming soon, um, but there's a bigger problem with AI animation. How should the character, how the character should move if you don't know what they're going to say? Um, this is done by hand in games, but is an unsolved problem in AIX animation. Um, there's no ground to work off here. So, I don't know, man, more, more to come with this. And this is something that I will definitely be tracking because I think it's incredibly important and it's, it's scary. Like when you start to look at the implications to this on the world, um, on the human race, if people stop reproducing humans go by and, you know, I'm not going to live forever, so it's not going to impact me, but, um, Still, I, it's not something I want for the world. That's not something I want for you know future humans. And also, this is something that's going to start affecting us that we're going to notice here in the next couple years. So as you see more and more people kind of pulling back from the real world, kind of recessing into their uh, basements and surrounding themselves with their AI chatbot romantic relationships who aren't going to judge them, who aren't going to yell at them, who will agree with them, who aren't going to leave them for the grass being greener on the other side, um, who might actually, you know, give them advice against going to find a human relationship. And it's scary. It's scary, especially, I think, when you have it paired with easy access to pornography OnlyFans, et cetera, all that stuff. And you have libertarians and liberals and people out there um, who are for free living and for people being able to do what they want with their bodies. And I'm not in favor of throwing anyone in jail for, uh, you know, for creating pornography or for um, selling sex, paying for sex, any of that stuff. But I will say this, and this is one of the main reasons why I'm no longer in the Libertarian Party. I'm not going to promote that, and I don't want to be a part of a party that is promoting that type of living because it's damaging. It's damaging to the individuals doing it. It's damaging to the human race. It's damaging to the future of the world, and it's damaging to the children who are exposed to it and are growing up in this world. So I, I don't want to be any, I don't want any part of an organization that is actively going to promote that. And I remember I was at um, Libertarian Convention, I want to say in 2016, I think, uh, maybe it was 2018. And that's when they, they added a, a plank to the 
you know, national platform where sex work is real work and, and all this crap. And um, wh- why, wh- why are you adding, why are you doing that? There, there's no need, there's no need for that. You don't need to promote sex work. You can say, you know, you can say that people can do it and they shouldn't be thrown in prison the same way you can say people can do heroin and should be thrown in prison, but also people shouldn't do heroin because it's not good for you and you're not going to have a fulfilling life. You're not going <clears> to <throat> end up contributing real value to society um, and you're not going to be a, a helpful um, person re- really in this life that is going to advance things forward, that's going to create new things. And uh, that's that's gonna that's gonna challenge uh, challenge their peers to uh, to grow. So I did want to share one other thing um, before we move on, and it's another chart. I'm in a I'm in a mode right now where I like looking at charts, but there was an article on uh, on Zero Hedge that I read that you know, talked about a record number of American 40-year-olds have never been married, okay? Uh, A quarter of 40-year-olds in the U.S. have never been married. And this came from U.S. Census data. uh, It was put together by the Pew Research Center. And this isn't necessarily a case of people just living out of wedlock. So just 22% of those 40 to 44 who had never been married were living with a partner. Um, so it's not just a case of that. I'm sure today there are a lot more people just living out of out of wedlock, you know, who aren't married, living together, have kids, whatever. Um, but still, there's a, a huge chunk of people who are 40 years old and have never been married, um, close to being as high as uh, as one in four. So. And a piece of this is, so men are more likely to be unmarried than women, 28 to 22%. And I think there's some reasons for this. And I kind of, I talked about it early on with the online dating, which that is going through the roof, of course. And, um, you know, I think women have kind of taken the lead in the dating scene because they have all the control now. They can, they can say yes or no to the men. Um, whereas in the past, I think there was more of a balancing act, right? And of course, the Me Too movement plays into this as well, as men are just afraid to approach women. Men are afraid to be forward and bold, and they're actually taught not to be forward and bold. They're not. They're taught not to be courageous and brave. They're taught to, to blend in, to don't stand out, don't do anything that's going to bring attention to yourself. And also something else that I think is contributing to this is women have been sold a bill of goods that it's more honorable to serve their boss, to serve a manager, to serve their CEO than it is to serve their husband, than it is to be a partner with their husband, than it is to go to battle with their husband as you're building a family and to to raise children. It's more, society has said it's more important for the world that you dedicate your childbearing years to corporate America than to your family. And a lot of women have fallen for that lie, unfortunately. And 
you know, when, when you look at the number, the number of women who are going to college now, it's steadily gone up over time. So men outnumbered women in American colleges. I'm sharing my screen now here. If you're watching on Rumble or YouTube, subscribe to either. We have like 6,000, almost 7,000 subscribers on YouTube. Make sure you also hit the bell to get notified when we post a new video. Rumble, we're growing that. I, lo- I love Rumble, especially for our live videos. We do meme wars on Fridays, almost always live. Um, so, so you can check that out. Um, but so men outnumbered women in American colleges until the late 1970s. By 2019, there were about 13 women enrolled for every 10 men. So you had a point in like 1970, I don't know, 1979, where the enrollment of women surpassed men and men have never caught up. And uh, now you have in 2020, 11 million women to like 8.5 million men. So you have a a dating pool um, on these college campuses that obviously is a lot, there's a lot more women than men. So women have the advantage there in selecting who they want to, but also um, women are set up in this way where they have all of this control because every a lot of this is online dating and the so the grass is always greener. They're they're looking to check all their boxes and they're not willing a lot. I'm not, obviously this is a blanket statement, not true for everybody, but a lot of women seem to not be willing to to look to men who maybe have not gone to college. You know, they're they're not dating, and this is not true. It's it's not true that these men are below their uh um, you know, socioeconomic status, because many of these men who went to trade school or started their own business actually have more money, but they don't have that college degree. So the women don't think that uh, that the men who don't have a college degree are on their same level, which is which is ridiculous. But this is just another problem that we have, right? And I really don't know how this is solved, and. Just talking, you know, we, we were, I was talking with uh, with Rico about this on uh, a meme wars last week. But I mean, if you just go to a, a grocery store today, if you go anywhere where you're waiting in line, you know, to, to go into uh, waiting in line for a concert or a sporting event or waiting in line to in a bathroom, you know, a bathroom line at, at a concert, everybody's looking at their phone. Nobody's talking to anybody anymore. Nobody's even making eye contact with anybody they don't know anymore. We have rapidly, rapidly changed as a society in the last 10 years where there is such limited interaction between strangers. It is remarkable. We cannot know what the effects of this will be. People are growing up in a world where it is totally normal, where most of your interaction is with just with people you know, um, either online, with your direct family, with your direct friends, and that's it. Um, and that's not good for society as a whole because just kind of inherently in that, if you're not conversing with your fellow humans, there's that lack of an emotional connection. There's a lack of valuing their lives. And it kind of, I think it makes people even more self-centered. I mean, human beings are already so self-centered. We're, we're broken people. I mean, it's something that, you know, that, that we're just, 
that we have to learn to live with. And, you know, as a Christian, it's something that I pray about a lot to, to not be self-centered, to not focus on myself, to focus on other people. And so much of the world just teaches us, focus on you, make yourself happy, happy, get your chatbot girlfriend, go visit the OnlyFans page, fill your, your, fill your, you know, personal needs that way. Make yourself happy. Don't worry about other people. It's so much of the world that's just drilled home to people today. And, you know, my answer to that might not be the same as yours and that's okay. My answer to that is God. And that's what works for me. Um, you know, you might have another way that you're dealing with it. I think that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to, to tell you that, that you are wrong. Um, but I know what has helped me and, and, and what works for me in, in navigating the craziness um, of this world, because this is crazy, right? But things are not going to get, things are not going to miraculously get better overnight. We're not going to wake up in a world tomorrow and it's the 1980s and, you know, communities are connected again and you have lots of friends in person. And um, when you stand in line at the grocery store, people um, will chat you up about random stuff, which sometimes can be annoying, but it's also funny later to tell stories about, which doesn't happen anymore. That world's not coming back. And, you know, this sounds like I'm being like a total pessimist, right? And I am to a certain degree, but I think as somebody like myself, you know, I have a, have a daughter, anybody who has um, a child or children, I think has to be an optimist, right? When we look at this world, because we are working on maintaining and advancing a world that is for our children. And even if you don't have children, you shouldn't be selfish. You should be looking at your nieces, your nephews your friends' kids, people you don't even know's kids. You, you should be trying to create a better world for other people, going back to that not being selfish thing. So I think we should all be optimists in a way that we need to figure out ways to win this. And we live in a capitalist society, right? So there's a market demand for AI chatbots, someone's going to fill that demand, right? Someone's going to build that product. Someone's going to advance that product. Someone's going to continue to enhance it and enhance it, enhance it, make it better to where that market becomes even more attractive. We need to stand in opposition to that, um, not because capitalism is bad, but because that is unhealthy behavior. And that is anti-human behavior. And that is going to lead to extinction. That's the way to approach it. Going back to what I talked about before, this anti-human, pro-human. We have to be the pro-humans. And it's, I think it's pretty easy when you start spelling it out um, to be um, persuasive with it. We're in favor of humanity. We're in favor of the human race. We're in favor of human relationships. We're in favor of people having kids and life going on in this world. And when you put it that way, human versus anti-human, I think it's pretty clear. Because this isn't <clears throat> this isn't liberty versus um, you know authority. Because this could happen in either 
either of those societies. If you give people liberty, you know, capitalism, free trade, this stuff's going to be created. You need more than that. So a political party that doesn't recognize that element is wasting time. It's it's wasting everybody's time. It's wasting everybody's resources. So if the Libertarian Party or any party, if any party wants me to support them, they need to get on the side of humanity and publicly oppose the anti-humans. And that's where I stand on that. That is my bold pro-human stance. Hopefully, you're in favor of it. Maybe you're listening to this and you're still listening now for some reason and you're an anti-human. I'd like to hear your argument. I'd like to hear um, why you're in favor of AI chatbots. And I'm sure there is like a case-by-case thing where, well, maybe somebody won't be a uh, you know mass rapist if they can have an AI chatbot. Sure. I'm sure there's like one or 10 cases like that where something like that could happen. But you're going to throw humanity down the tubes for that. It doesn't make any sense. That's ridiculous and absurd. And uh, that's a terrible argument. So I won't be wasting my time with anyone making that argument. But aside from that, I'm willing to have a discussion on it. I'm willing to talk to anybody about this. So if you're willing to, and you disagree with me, let me know. Or if you agree, let me know. And if you have somebody that you want me to talk to or interview about this topic, you can reach out to me, john at lionsofliberty.com. I have some cool interviews lined up um, next Wednesday. Actually, I have two interviews I'll be doing. So I'll have a new um, episode coming out on Christmas. And we're also going to try to record our naughty or nice episode as well. Not sure when that will air, but should be within the next week time frame here, either right before or right after Christmas. That is, of course, when we look back on the past year at different political figures, different um, groups, organizations, and we deem if they have been naughty or nice this year. So look out for that. As always, um, would love to have you in our Lions of Liberty Pride. You can join the Pride by going to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty or lionsofliberty.locals.com and uh, you get access to our bonus content, all the other goodies. Check it out on those pages. And with that being said, everyone, it's been a great episode. I've had fun. I love talking about this stuff. Hopefully my ranting and raving made sense to you. I will see you all next week. In the meantime, always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning.